This is the Work Minus Podcast, where we talk about what we need to drop from how we work today and transformative ideas to help you build a better workplace. To hear all of our episodes and read articles about how you can improve your workplace, go to workminus.com. Today, our guest is Jennifer McClure. She's the founder at Unbridled Talent, and this episode is Work Minus Bad Employee Experiences. Hi, Jennifer. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm having a good experience, but I want to hear more about you. Tell us about your journey, how you got into the work you're in now. Sure. It's been about um, almost 20 years as an HR leader and executive in the corporate world, uh, then transitioned into executive search where I worked as an executive recruiter for about three and a half years. And then in 2010, stepped out on my own, started my own business where I am primarily a professional speaker. So I'm out talking to conferences, events, corporate events, leaders, et cetera, about high impact leadership and talent strategies. So uh, walk us into this topic of employee experiences. Why is that important for you to talk about? I think it's really important for us as leaders to think about how we, you know, obviously a focus for uh, since time began is on productivity. How can we get more out of the people that are there and allow them to feel productive, which, you know, translates into some some engagement aspects, et cetera. And so what I think we missed for several years, and it's starting to become more of a focus for many leaders, is that how we navigate uh, out in the world and, and the technologies and the customer service systems, et cetera, that allow us to experience both good and bad customer experiences out in the world, we were a little late on the uptake to think about translating that into the workplace. You know, the workplace is, was still very much around, you know, lines of approval and um, you know, requisition forms and uh, cutting people out of systems or, you know, getting authorizations, et cetera, where I can do most anything today, you know, on my mobile device, I can watch what I want, I can buy what I want, I can get information on demand. And so people expect that experience in the workplace, and it gets them really frustrated when they can't navigate their work the same way they do their life. Yeah, and I think this is important because we We've talked about, you know, mapping the customer experience, understanding how that customer journey through your process. But like you said, we've been pretty slow to map that employee experience. So if somebody actually wants to go into their company and start to figure out what that looks like, where do they start? I think looking at your employees as customers is is a good way to kind of start thinking about the process. I know when, like you said, mapping the customer experience journey, all along the way, we're trying to do everything we can to keep people in our you know, sales funnel or to not drop out online or to not leave our stores. We're doing things to make sure that customers feel appreciated, that they have the ability to get what they want, when they want, and how they want it. And so if we kind of translate that thinking to the employee experience rather than, okay, you work for us now, so you should be grateful, um, rather than thinking these people are here to serve, they have the skills that we need, we can't do our business without them. You know, we have to have people in those positions. And so why not have somebody who is able to bring the skills that we hired in the first place and apply them at work? So we should be applying kind of that same thinking to how do we keep these people engaged in the process? How do we make their, um, you know, systems and activities go seamlessly? How do we have them experience delight? I think that's another thing to think about, you know, customer delight. I worked for a company many years ago, a Japanese organization where they're kind of uh, phrase was we wanted to be number one in customer delight. Um, and I think if we thought about that for our employees, 
wouldn't that be great if we had an employee workplace that was number one in employee delight? Hmm. Wow. Now, you've been in this world for a long time, so I'm actually kind of curious to hear some of the other stories about some horror stories of, of things that are just terrible about the employee experience. So anonymously, can you share with us a few things that you feel like are represent the worst of what we do? Sure. This is uh, you know maybe a little bit old, but I think the concept is is uh, still relevant. And I, t- I share the story in some of my keynotes that I do. Uh, I worked in an organization just, let's see, you know, um, 12, 14 years ago. And the internet was there, and uh, we had just started using things like Blackberries and allowing people to, you know, access their work email and stuff. But in the place where I worked, we were not there yet. Our CIO was very, very risk averse. Uh, everything was locked down. You know, to to be able to do most anything in the organization, you have to have a certain level of approval, et cetera. And one day, uh, the CIO and the CFO. Uh, whom he reported to, came into my office and closed the door, and they wanted to fire our top salesperson who was responsible for our biggest accounts, and by all accounts was doing just fine. Um, you know, and, and I was surprised to see not the VP of sales in front of me, but the CIO and the CFO talking about we needed to get rid of this person. And so I, of course, asked for more information, and the reason was they had found out that he had created his own VPN or his own virtual private network and found a way to log into our system remotely. Hmm. And again, we, we think about that today and we're like, what? But uh, I think, again, the thinking process still is there in some companies. And so the more we talked, I was confused. And I said, well, why don't you let me talk to both Dave's boss and to Dave and find out what's actually going on? So I got his boss. He was a remote employee. So we called him and um, you know, found out that he had become so frustrated because he is a traveling salesperson, basically, who was in airports all the time, um, in hotel rooms at night, uh, and waiting in customer lobbies like Walmart, Target, etc. And he said, I'm sitting there watching my competitors be able to work virtually where I can't. And he said, if I want to continue to be able to be successful and do business the way that I need to be able to do business, I have to be able to work remotely. So yes, I made it. I found a way. And so ultimately he got, you know, we, we didn't fire him. That was not the right thing. <laughs> That's good. But we shamed him and said, don't do that again. Uh, and then shortly after that, our CEO, who was a, a young, energetic CEO, who was in the young president's organization, and he had gone to a golf outing with the young president's organization, and he came back in, he was super excited, he walks in my office, and he throws on my desk this Blackberry. And I was like, what is this? And he said, you can access your emails, you can do all these things. He's like, I want one, and I want you to have one, and I want all the executives to have one. And, and it took like an hour for him to get what he wanted. Wow. You know, the CIO was not happy about it, but the CEO said, this is what I want and we're going to make it happen. And so I think that's a good example of we didn't, and, and I regret that I was not, you know, maybe more forward thinking. I, I didn't allow him to fire him, so <laughs> I get points for that, but um, I didn't think far enough into it. Hey, we actually need to think about what he's saying here. He is our biggest source of income, you know, has our biggest source of income in his hands and he's telling us they can't do his work effectively and not only are we telling him, don't ever do that again, try to find ways to work more effectively, but we prevented him from doing that. And then just because a different person with a different title came in and said, this looks cool and all my friends have one, I want it, he got it. And and I think that's um, 
often how we look at things at work. Things don't move forward until the right people say that we need to do this, or my friend is doing this, or I saw this being done in an article that I read, you know, online. Uh, instead of hearing from our employees about what frustrates them or what's preventing them from being successful at work and actually facilitating ways to knock down those barriers and challenges for them. So what kind of advice do you give somebody who's not in that, doesn't have the right initials behind their name uh, to be able to make those sweeping changes? What are some ways that if they want to improve the employee experience around them, but they maybe don't have all the power they want, what are some things they can do? Uh, advice for anyone who wants to make change and you're getting pushback or even before you get pushback is to make a business case. Uh, executives speak the language of money. And so if you are able to put into dollars and cents what making this change is going to do for you and the company in terms of being able to you know, increase revenue, uh, increase uh, productivity, increase customer satisfaction, quality, safety, you know, the top line kind of measurables of the company, you've got to take the time to really put your thoughts down instead of I just want this. Um, which, you know, a person with the right initials often can say, but if you're further down and you've got to convince some people, you've got to be able to put down and say, I've actually done research. Here are the facts. If we don't do this, this is the cost to the company. Or if we do do this, this is the opportunity or the ROI. That's how to approach anything that you want in business, particularly if it's changing hearts and minds of people who are resistant. You've got to be able to show them the dollar impact. So sometimes if you're proposing something new, maybe it's hard to get those numbers. Well, that's where you then you need to go out and find other people who are doing it, you know, especially if it's competitors or people who in your industry and maybe someone else has tried it and it's working or it's worked or they are, you know, getting ahead of you in some way. You've got to be able to show people in your organization if you're not first. Uh, why you shouldn't be in that middle to layer third of the adoption curve to, in order to stay ahead. Yeah. So let's stick on the topic of technology and we'll update the discussion from Blackberries. Uh, so what are some new technologies that are being used today that do improve drastically the employee experience? You know, people don't use Blackberries anymore. I actually heard, <laughs> I heard the word last week at a, a pretty large financial services company. I'm like, wow, people still use this. <laughs> I think we have to think, obviously, we're we're tethered to things that are um, internet-based and cloud-based, et cetera. And so we have to think about what's out there. There are so many tools, software, um, SaaS things out there that are both free to cheap that I think a lot of companies don't take advantage of in terms of, again, thinking about what are the frustrations that our employees are experiencing. We, we jump from, well, that makes, you know, it's hard for them to do this to, well, it would cost us way too much money to do that. Instead of really starting, what's a, a, a first step? Um, you know, an example would be more relevant, more current company that I did an interim executive role with a, a few years ago. Um, our biggest issue in the organization was communication. And we had employees in 23 states and small offices and the kind of communication structure was CEO would you know, meet with the executive team. The executive team would go talk to their uh, executive leaders or directors, and then they would start to put it down to the regional directors. And by the time, you know, it's the telephone game, by the time it got into the, the local offices, the message was often not the same. And so, you know, the, the next step might be, well, let's create some memorandums and share that, you know, et cetera. But that's not how people really consume information today. They don't read corporate memos about the latest things coming out of the executive team's meetings. So we, we tried to 
look into things like maybe some internal, um, you know, chat things, Yammer and, and other things were out there. And of course, there's all kinds of instant messages. But again, the IT department was a little bit resistant to that. So I went rogue and I downloaded one myself because I was working as a consultant. So I didn't have a company laptop. I brought the HR team on board. We piloted it. We loved it. We found success with it. And then we went to the CAIO and said, we're having success with this, something that we piloted. Can we pilot with another group in the organization? Uh, so we picked the, the sales team and they allowed us to pilot it. It wasn't happy, you know, that we had done it. <laughs> rogue. I'm not saying everybody should do that. But, you know, by by taking little baby steps, we were able to do that. And then ultimately what we decided to do, because our our email systems and, and everything were G Suite, Google-based, um, we actually created uh, an intranet on Google uh, websites, which I didn't know was even a thing. The Google oh, yeah. sites, the person on my team said, hey, I use this for a you know nonprofit that I'm involved in. Why don't we just create a page for every department? They can have chat on their page. They can, and I was just like, once you start the thinking of how can we communicate better, um, we can start to see, you know, who knows what's available? What can we try? What can we pilot? And ultimately we did, you know, create kind of that intranet with what we already had where we'd gotten pricing and other things to to look at tools and software. And that's ultimately why we didn't go with the, the Yammer type system that I had tried because it did cost a lot of money to bring that into the organization. But we found out we had some things already internally we could use that could do something similar. And once we'd already gotten people on board with the idea of this is a new way we can communicate, um, we had a much easier path to adoption. Yeah. And I love the example you gave too, because you talked about one person who said, okay, I use this in my nonprofit. And so we should be able to do the same. And I think that's what you're saying too, about that, that employee experience is saying, look, I'm being satisfied in so many ways outside of work. All of my needs are being met. I'm using technology to do so many things I didn't think were possible before. Why can't I do that in my job too? That seems to be a common theme. Right. I mean, just this morning, I joined a gym that I've been a member of three times before. <laughs> you know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I just don't want to go in there and sit through the, you know, the sales process and buy personal training and all that. So I went online and look, oh, lo and behold, you can sign up for membership online. So I did. I paid my fee. I downloaded the app. I pulled up. You could create a digital uh, login card. And so I'm going to be able to go to the gym this afternoon and just, you know, swipe my little phone. I'm going to be able to, you know, hover the barcode over the, the entry and I won't have to talk to anybody. Hmm. So, you know, why, if I'm, if I'm an employee or if I'm in, in a company, I'm thinking, what about doing something similar for a new hire? You know, why can't we have them go on register online, fill out all their paperwork, you know, and go, there are companies and, and products and tools that do some of this. But so many don't, you know, why don't I have them be able to complete all that experience on their own time when they're ready, download their employee badge on their phone so that they can just walk right in the door and be ready to go on the first day of work. So, as you said, kind of applying that thinking of this made my life easier um, and I should look at my workplace and say, am I able to apply similar thinking to things that are more difficult than they should be? So we've been talking about technology a lot, but obviously the employee experience covers a lot of human touch too. So what are some things, some new things people are doing that are just a human-to-human basis of how we can improve that employee experience? 
Yeah, again, I think it's back to that. If you focused on employee delight, um, and if I think about a couple of experiences recently where I've been delighted, I bought um, really invested time and research into buying because I do travel a lot, and you know I'm a, a lady who carries a big bag with a laptop in it, and so I did a lot of research and chose a, a fairly nice bag that was a little pricey for me, but I carried my last one for six years all over the world. Mm-hmm. I said this is an investment, and so. I just posted a picture of my old one with the busted handle and said, I'm upgrading to this new Dagny Dover bag and really excited to carry it on my first business trip. Shortly after that, I get an in-mail through LinkedIn, which was surprising because I posted that on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I didn't post it on LinkedIn. Uh, I get an in-mail through LinkedIn. Uh, so that means they'd obviously looked at one of my profiles, found me on LinkedIn, and said, we're really excited that you you know, are liking your new bag. Can we send you some things? Would you give us your email, your mailing address? And I was like, just tell me you'll send me something free. You can get my home address anytime. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably not wise. Um, so I was like, sure. And I'm expecting like a thank you card or something in the mail. And a couple of weeks later, a big box arrived on my front doorstep. And I opened it up and it was two very expensive bags from their collection. They sent me back two bags worth more than the expensive one that I had bought Hmm. and just said, thank you. And I am now a customer for life. I have bought two more of their bags since then. I bought, you know, a gift certificate for one of my friends for Christmas. I'm delighted um, with just getting something so unexpected. Even if, you know, if they could have sent me a $20 bag, I would have been delighted. The fact that they like over delivered, is amazing. So again, back to the employee experience, are there employees in your organization that, you know, we've, we've said this all along, people like rec- personalized recognition. And so we, you know, you, you send them uh, notes and if you can get the supervisor to write something, if you get the CEO to stop by their desk, you know, that's all great. But how can we really amp that up into when somebody does something wonderful. And a wonderful, again, doesn't always translate to big money savings. Maybe, again, you just implemented a new idea. You made someone's day easier. Um, you were delightful to work. You know, how can we really look at ways to delight people? Um, you know, send them something, a gift or something that it's, it, I, let me take that back. They don't have to involve money. Mm. You know, it could be things where we, we recognize someone in a, a very um, meaningful way to them. I'm a Diet Coke uh, fanatic. You know, a lot of people are Starbucks fanatics. I'm a Diet Coke. If you just brought a Diet Coke by my desk and gave it to me and said, thanks for the work you're doing. I know you enjoy these, thought I'd bring you one. I'd be like, that is amazing. My boss boss just gets me, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So there are ways, I think, to do this. And and thinking first about non-monetary ways to delight people is probably much more effective because as we all know, Uh, Once you start delighting people monetarily with gift certificates or anything that has dollar values, um, unfortunately, that can come back to bite you because then people start to equate, you know, the value of what you gave them to the value of what they did or what you did for someone else. Or in some ways, it's an entitlement. Where's my $10 gift certificate for doing this Um, versus if you just find ways to be creative and thankful and grateful. I think that's a way to delight people every day. Yeah. And and I like the example you gave about, you said you were going to be a customer for life. So these things, obviously you're trying to get your employees to say, yeah, I I want to be an employee for life. I want to work here forever because I I enjoy being here so much. I I like it so much. And you also talked about 
that that personalized experience, which is a uniquely human thing. You know, it, it would be hard for a, a, a computer to learn exactly that Diet Coke is your favorite one and then to deliver it to you. But somebody does notice that as a human and it can bring that personalized experience into the workplace to really bring that touch would be excellent. And that makes it more meaningful. Hey, you actually see me. Yeah. People want to be seen, you know, they want to be acknowledged. And if you know that every morning I come in carrying my Diet Coke when everybody comes in carrying their Starbucks, you know that that's something that I enjoy and, and you saw that. Um, so as you said, it's it's more of that personal acknowledgement. And and back to the bag example, I always kind of you have goal things out there that you want. And I've always thought, well, someday I'll buy a Louis Vuitton bag. And it's funny, I thought last week I – probably will never buy a Louis Vuitton bag now because I'm a Dagny Dover customer for life. Yeah, <laughs> was, there you go. Okay with that. So I ditched, you know, the aspirational goal for something that, um, you know, is meaningful to me. So excellent. I think it's the same, you know, if somebody gets a call from a recruiter, but yet they've had a lot of connection and they, you know, they enjoy their job and, uh, other things are going well, but they've had a lot of meaningful experiences where they felt valued. It's going to be a much better way to retain them than, and all the other things that are important as well, things like salary benefits, et cetera. If all that's equal, they're going to stay with a place where they feel valued. Sure. Well, Jennifer, this is just one of many topics that you're an expert on. So where can people go to learn more about your thoughts and about what you have to say? Sure. You can find all things Jennifer McClure at jennifermcclure.net. I'm on Twitter at Jennifer McClure, certainly on LinkedIn, all the other social media platforms as well. And I have a podcast called Impact Makers with Jennifer McClure, which if you like hearing from people who are out there making an impact in the world of all kinds and how you can do more of that to build a career that you love and a life that matters, then that's a great place for you to be. Yeah, no, it is a great podcast. I've listened to it. I like the the honesty and the freshness that you have on there. It's a really good show. Thank you. Well, excellent. Thank you so much for being on the show and we look forward to being in touch with you later too. All right, you have a great day. This has been the Work Minus Podcast. If you like what we're doing, go to workminus.com where you can see the show notes and a full transcript for every episode. You can also sign up for our newsletter where you'll get the latest progressive ideas about how you can build a better workplace. 